Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, and we are back for the restarted 2019-2020 season as everything gets back underway after it all went a little bit weird. Pretty much three months to the day since our last Fulham experience up at Bristol City. My name's Sammy James and I am joined today by Farrell Monk. Hello everyone. Jack Collins. Hello listeners. And Ben Jarman. Hello gang gang. How are we all doing? Nice to be back on the airwaves or the pod waves. Good. Yeah, it's good. Nice to be back with the brothers. Yeah, indeed. Well, lots to discuss today. Um, Obviously now Fulhamish is a socially distanced podcast. We always used to pride ourselves on being in a studio, but uh, times have changed and we are on Zoom to each other recording this podcast and we're going to discuss the upcoming season because a lot has happened in the last three months and there's a lot to pack in, but it looks like championship football is starting in just under two weeks' time. Um, so the, the the restart is coming thick and fast. Um, Jack, earlier we put something on Twitter asking people what their three-word reviews of lockdown have been. Um, obviously, uh, wherever you're listening to this, your lockdown may have been slightly different to the lockdown we've experienced in the UK. Uh, but what, what, came, what came through? Because I saw some very funny ones today. The one that resonated with me most was Mimi Newsom's Day Drinking FC. Which, <laughs> FC, which I thought was, was only right to kick things off. Uh, undefeated for months by Vincent Leander made me laugh. Metro Gold Drought from Jason Atkins in Australia, I think, uh, which, which is a good one. Old Memories Revisited by Granny Lovekin. The Cottage Clappers made me laugh. I thought that was good. Alex Yo with a, with a version of that. There was a couple of different versions ones of, of Clappers. Uh, and I'll end it with uh, our very own Jack Kelly. Decent result considering. <laughs> Decent result considering <laughs> indeed. Right, well, lads, let's um, let's have a look ahead to the restart of the season. And Farrell, as I say, as we record this, I'm pretty sure today is three months to the day since we stood in the away end at Ashton Gate watching Fulham grab a one or draw against Bristol City. And, and, and I'd just like to get your thoughts on football restarting because... Do you think it's too soon? Do you think it's right? Are you excited for it? There'll be a lot of people listening to this right now who'll be thinking, I just don't know if I can even get excited about behind closed doors football. So an opportunity for all three of you, but I'll start with you, Farrell, just to kind of lay your thoughts out about what, what you're making of this this reincarnation of football, but not as we know it. Well, I think, you know, it's for, first I've got to say that how... I am definitely very excited about football returning, um, you know, having, I mean, I've, I jumped at the chance of the Bundesliga starting up the Billy Goats, FSA all the way. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I am very excited to, to be watching my beloved, beloved Fulham on TV once again, um, albeit, you know, not at the stadium itself. Saying that, I do think it's kind of ludicrous that we are, you know, attempting to start so early. You know, it's literally just been announced that two more championship players have been um, tested positive for coronavirus. We we are pretty sure that three Fulham players have tested positive for it recently. And in the whole of the UK, 
we've had something like 13 to 15,000 new cases just in the last week. You know, you know, you can talk about sort of, you know, the government's response to it and all that kind of stuff. But the facts are that there is, it's still rife in this country and the risk is, you know, very, very great for, for everyone, you know, not just, uh, not just the players themselves and the people working at the football clubs, you know, there's still a lot about this virus that we don't know about. Um, you know, we, we don't know, um, if people have had it, they, they can get it again. They can transfer it to people or anything like that. There's no proof that, you know, once you've had it, you you can't give it to someone else or you can't get it again. Um, and we don't know the long-term effects of it, you know, as we know that people get it and they have no effects, but we don't know there could be long-term, uh, long-term effects. It could, um, it could ruin a footballer's career. It could, it could kill them. And, you know, we know that the best, the best remedy for it is, is to socially distant from people and, the very nature of football is that you can't socially distance from people. Um, thankfully, so far in the Bundesliga and and in a few other leagues around the world, that there's there's not been um, particular tragedies or, or around that within the within their league starting. But it is early days, and the countries themselves have very different stories to 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 you know the UK, where we've got the second highest cases in in the world now and the second highest deaths as well. So. You know, and I feel that footballers were, you know, quite thrown under the bus a few months ago, a couple of months ago now with that whole wage debacle and an argument, if you can call it that. And I feel like the, that bus is currently being reversed, ready to go, um, ready to go again, because they are being put in unnecessary danger. But once again, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch it and, and, and enjoy it as much as I can when it comes back on. Jack, um, I'll, I'll open the, f the floor to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I was worried before the Bundesliga kicked off and I think that there's still a very clear distinction between the fact that the, the amount of cases in Germany, the amount of new cases in Germany, the way it's being managed there and how much further they appear to be down the spectrum than the UK ever got. And I think that that's a worry for me because... Obviously, you, you look at these things and it's been brilliant that, that the Bundesliga has returned relatively safely with, with that no massive hiccups so far. And and yet you kind of feel that it was it was at a point where that, that felt kind of necessary. Well, not necessary, but it felt like reasonable to, to reopen the Bundesliga, given how Germany dealt with the virus, dealt with the pandemic. Whereas I don't feel like we're in the same position. That said... You know, it, it's a very difficult place for for leagues and and things to be. If 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 teams don't vote for the season to to end and they or they don't they want it to resume and then they carry on with the the kind of precedent that a new season has to start in in the fall in the in the autumn, then you, you know there is only a there's only a certain amount of time you have here. And so I can understand why why people are so keen to get it get it started again. I'm looking forward to watching Fulham. In the set, you know, I'm as much as as anything else. I, I'm really looking forward to to being back in engaged with it. Part of me has enjoyed the Bundesliga and being able to watch it kind of stress free. It's been, you know, I've just enjoyed the games for what they are. Being able to kind of look at it from a from a perspective of this is nice. I'm enjoying my football and and to in, reintroduce the the stressful nature of of being a Fulham fan back yeah. into this is going to be it's going to be slightly different, but. Uh, on the whole, look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm concerned. I, I share Farrell's concerns that 
that we might be rushing into this a little bit too fast, especially given that we know that Fulham were a team affected by two players testing positive, three players testing positive when when this all happened. So therefore, you know, that I am, I am concerned. But ultimately, yeah, of course, I'm looking forward to watching the Quites again. Uh, and Ben, finally to you. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be hard to add anything to what Farrell and Jack have already said, but I'm hugely excited to see Fulham back on our TV screens again. Um, I think Jack makes a great point regarding Germany's um, social distancing policy and the way they've handled the COVID-19 pandemic in almost a polar opposite to the way that the UK have done it. Um, it seems to have been shambles after shambles over the past nine or ten weeks. Um, and unfortunately, not a lot has been done in, in sort of the right way. Um, but I hope that we're getting through to the other side of it now. I do believe that we are maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, but there was always going to be coming to a point where the economy of the game um, and the risk at hand was going to be almost like a balancing act. And that happened, I guess, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago when it was announced that all the football was going to return. Unfortunately, there are there are clubs whose very existence hang in the balance um, as, as present, especially in the lower leagues of League One and Two. But then also you look at the bottom half of the championship, which is disproportionately poor to the top half. And if we want those clubs to exist, then they're going to have to play out the rest of the, of the league, regardless of the safety of the players. And it's not something that I would personally be happy with if I was a player. Um, I definitely wouldn't be happy if it was if I was a, a chairman of a football club or a, or a director of a football club um, that is, you know, ha- having all their assets put at risk um, by this um, by playing these games. So um, yeah, I mean, in terms of me personally, I'm happy to see Fulham come back. I'm excited. I think the the running that we're going to have is going to be stressful. Um, in some aspects enjoyable in others but it's going to be really tough and uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of questions coming up over the duration of the pod of how we think we're going to start and how we think we're going to line up and look yeah I mean obviously I think discussing our thoughts on football returning is necessary at this stage because it's still the question on everyone's lips and I think people are really torn about it personally I have a bit more of an optimistic view on things and and I think that ultimately football is an industry that supports 100,000 people in this country not just footballers not even just play people that work for football clubs but you've got um, broadcasters and people that supply broadcasting and 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 all sorts of industries connected with football and it's a it's a it's a massive industry just like any other which does need to start getting back on its feet and if you think that shops are going to be opening um, a week today then I don't really see why football should be any different obviously if it can be done safely and I do believe by, by th- testing players three times a week that you are getting it's a pretty secure environment and certainly I feel like it's more secure than the most workplaces. But but let's get away from that because I think we could be here all day and we're trying not to be a, a COVID podcast in, in, in this stage. So Fulham going back into this season with third place in the league and we've got nine very, very tough games coming up between now and the end of July. The looks of it is, is that the season is going to start on the weekend of the 20th. I wouldn't be surprised personally if we get put to the Friday night like we were supposed to against Brentford and be the first championship game. Then there's going to be a week's 
break between that and what would surely be the Leeds United game away at Elland Road on the 27th of July. And then after that, it is Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, all the way up until the end of the season when it's Wigan. And then probably in the case of Fulham, likely to be three more games if we're in the playoffs, culminating, hopefully, if we're in that situation in a playoff final, which would be at the beginning of of August. Um, Faz, that is an incredible schedule that that we find ourselves up against. And, and obviously everyone's in the same boat. How do you think Fulham will cope with it? It's 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 a crazy, crazy schedule. And, and Scott's got his work cut out to, to get his squad through it if, if we have to. We've got to look at the fact and, and kind of look at our Fulham's own sort of privileges in the sense that we are a rich club with magnificent facilities at, at Mottsburg Park. And that's going to land the players in, in good stead, not to mention uh, pretty good coaching staff behind that as well but it can be a bit of a lottery. You know, we've got a bit of a litmus test already with the Bundesliga and and how that's performing. And there were there were teams like my new beloved FC who were had were on a magnificent run be- before lockdown and now they haven't won a game what haven't won a game since uh coming back. Um mm. and there are other teams who are sudden who are suddenly bringing up results and there is a lot of other anomalies. The only other thing what's up for debate as well is, you know, there's a lot, there's quite a few loan, loan players and uh, within this squad, how do, how is that working? Are we, we're, are we working towards extending those, those loans? Uh, as in, as in, do you mean for this season? Because I think yeah, if so, in most cases, I think the league are working to put kind of emergency clauses in most contracts. Obviously, some players have a bit of a moral decision to make, but I, I mm. think in most cases that's been kind of sorted. If, if you're looking at the likes of Anthony Knockhart, for example, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, we've we've got a we've got a pretty full squad, um, and there's obviously a couple of question marks over strength and depth. Um, but you know, we're, we have, as we have seen throughout this whole the, the season before lockdown, is the amount of injuries Fulham have had uh, throughout that, and we're still third in the league, which I think is pretty good going for the squad management uh, so far. The only thing is, is that Fulham tend to start really slowly. I think actually Ben mentioned it to us not that long ago is how ridiculously slow Fulham tend to start. You know, let's not, thinking about last season and the season before, it was a bit silly how how slow Fulham got going. Um, and hopefully that won't be the case once football resumes. Yeah, I think um, obviously when we've had such a break like this um, and given our general history, um, I am a little bit less optimistic than I think I, I would have been had uh, the season not stopped. I thought we were, although the form was patchy, we were, we were seeing a little bit of an uptick in form. Um, and the, generally, generally as a unit, we looked much better, um, especially in, in that last Bristol City game. Um, they look to to come together a bit more and a little bit more expressive. I think that Fulham's style of play in the last two or three seasons always takes you know three or four weeks to really really get going. Um, it's a, a style of play that is quite highly technical, especially when you're trying to keep possession for a long time. I think one of the most interesting um, issues that could come out of this sort of like almost fast start with no preseason is. You know what type of player is really going to shine through? Um, is it going to be like the the powerhouses? You know, like the well-rounded, generally really really fit guys. You know, like the likes of the the James Milners of this world, or is it going to be the guys that are technically so good that they can they can find those little gaps uh, and so on and so forth? 
I think when we look at the Bundesliga as sort of um, like a blueprint for, for this question, you're seeing a lot of technical players starting to flourish, but you're also seeing those that rely on ex- explosivity sort of declining um, because they're having to have lots of games in, in, in short periods of time and it's really affecting them. So it would be interesting to see how the likes of you know Tom Kearney um, takes this, obviously a guy that didn't look particularly fit before the, the big break. Um, and then I worry about how he's going to come back and, and what sort of form he's going to have. But a player of his quality should hopefully stand out above above uh, guys that aren't as fit as they should be. But then you look at you know players like Anthony Knockart uh, and even Cavaliero who who really um, bank on the explosivity of their game. Are they going to be as effective? You know, is Mitrovic going to be uh, as a, as fit as we need him to be? Like, there's a lot of questions there. I mean, Jack, I'm I'm quite optimistic because let's be honest. Had the season just carried on as normal and the world hadn't gone mad. We were finishing third, weren't we? Like there, there was just kind of no doubt about it. Leeds were going to finish. Um, Leeds and West Brom were going to finish first and second. And Fulham were going to be a valiant third. And probably Brentford and Forest were going to be in and around there as well. Now, you know, it could mean that Fulham fall off a cliff and we're, and we're terrible and we finish outside the playoffs. Or it could go the other way. I'm not banking on Leeds and West Brom continuing the form they had it's it's almost like all bets are off again because there is no form book now yeah no i, I mean we enjoyed when the bundesliga came back that's the talk in the first game they were like well they've scored six in the last five they're like well that was three months ago lads. yeah don't matter <laughs> like, so i think you're absolutely right the form book is very much out the window and there there isn't anything suggesting that this could be you know, anything other than than chaos when it comes back in, in so many different ways. I do harbour Ben's concerns about the way that we start slowly. But the other and the flip of that, I suppose, is that we've kind of been disjointed all year, all season. Yeah. And the the kind of way that it's played out, we've had moments of individual magic that have dug us out of situations that have you know, really showed up when things got tough. And, and those players are still going to possess that magic. They're still going to have that and and i've said that overall over the course of this season this has been a bad thing that it's a negative and we shouldn't be relying on moments of magic to dig us out but given the way that this is going to come back and probably be quite stodgy and and a bit weird and no one's going to quite know what to do then it might might help us out i agree with you look the the form books out the window anything can happen and I still think, you know, six points, seven points is a lot to make up on the top two, but we have them both to play. We've got a tricky run in and, and there's a lot going on. But, you know, as you say, anything can happen. And, and if, if anyone's going to pull this out of the bag, it'll almost certainly be us. Well, I mean, looking at that another way, we have just had two of the hardest away trips of the season, West Brom and Leeds, now behind closed doors. I mean, Elland Road's an intimidating place, but it's probably not that intimidating when there's no fans in the grounds. And that's a pretty big boost because, you know, we we were going to have to go and win those two away games to stand any chance of promotion. And, and now you've pretty much had their 12th man taken away. It, it's suddenly something, you know, maybe that we can look at and go, okay, we, we may have been handed a, a weird lifeline here. My brother and I were discussing this the other day and we actually think it's going to be a massive bonus for Leeds. Really? Because you know what, you have you watched the, the run-ins from the last couple of seasons with Leeds having the, the momentum, all of this stuff? 
the crowd turn. As soon as it gets nervous, Ellen Rowan gets a bit jumpy, it gets jittery. When they concede, everyone everyone goes, oh, it's bloody happening again. Everyone gets fed up. And I, I really do feel that this could actually be a real bonus to, to Leeds because they're not going to have that pressure from the fans. They're not going to have the kind of element that, oh, no, we're one behind, it's all over, we're not getting promoted, it's happening again. Mm. You know, I think that actually it will do them some favours in many ways. And in terms of like the behind closed doors experience, it's going to be quite weird, Farrell, from from a fan's point of view. I I must admit, I haven't watched an awful amount of the Bundesliga, partially because I don't have BT Sport, partially because I just don't care that much about the Bundesliga, if, I'm, if I'll be honest. I tried to catch a little bit of the Bayern Dortmund game because I thought, oh, at least it's a top of the table clash. But as a viewing experience, what have you found? What have you found that's worked? Would you like Fulham to maybe install some some cardboard fans in, in the Hammersmith end? Crowd noises? You know, what can we do as fans to try and enjoy this behind closed doors? Because like it or not, it's something that we're going to have to get used to between now and the end of July. And well, please God, no further, but that's also a possibility. Well, cardboard fans would certainly be more... Um animated than some of the fans that I see down at Craven Cottage on a weekly basis. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> we've had a three, we've had a three month break really without you stirring up Fulham fans, Farrell. <laughs> um, but it's quite interesting because today was the first time that they've decided to, I don't know whether it was on BT sport with it or, or, um, or within the stadiums themselves that they started pumping in crowd noises. Oh, okay. And um, it was, I mean, it did kind of add something, but it kind of took it away from the fact that it was quite interesting to hear how much the players actually shout and 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 how much the manager and coaches shout instructions and whatnot. I mean, I have absolutely no idea what they were saying at all whatsoever, apart from tour for goal. Uh, that's a that's about it. But it would be very interesting to hear what um, some of the some of the shouts are actually coming up from the from the sidelines uh, because. You know, that would be quite interesting to hear rather than, you know, come on Fulham being played out um, every five minutes, for come example. Come on Fulham, come on um, Fulham. It'd be or, much you know, more random... fun if they just get to record that. Just some yeah. one person shouting, come on Fulham. And then a few fans just recorded having their clappers just going now and again uh, <laughs> over the top. Um, yeah i mean jack what have you found about the behind closed doors experience and what fulham fans have got got in store um i I think it's quite interesting oh look i'm coming at this from a like i said earlier like a very neutral perspective it's a, a strange kind of one because you can watch a game more tactically i think when it's behind closed doors and you know for someone you know and i'll speak to ben as well when i say this but watch a lot of like under 23s football under 19s football you're for youth league and there's not really anyone in the stadium anyway so it's kind of not that weird for me to be to be doing it obviously in the big stadiums it makes a difference but i think you watch it kind of from a more tactical perspective you take a little bit of a step back at it and you go okay i can see what they're trying to do there and it's not influenced as much by the the crowd and we've seen referees decisions uh there's been models all about this about how they've changed and how how the the home team advantage has been diminished by the fact that there's no crowd on the back of the referee etc etc and so 
from that perspective, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's weird. Trust me, it's going to be weird and it's going to be very weird for me doing it at a Fulham game because I think I found it okay in games I don't necessarily have a vested interest in seeing one side win. Uh, and that's where I think it's going to be very, very different. But on the whole, as I say, no football is better than no football crowd behind closed doors or not. And I think we saw the Bundesliga get up to speed quite quickly. And I've been watching the Primera Liga in, in Portugal this week and it started off very slow, very turgid. There's been some weird results. and But I think as time goes on, it will get up to speed. And that's why I'm a bit concerned for the first games back because... Those games are the ones that can really go anywhere. I think we saw, though, often from those first games, and, you know, I watched that very, very first Dortmund game, which I believe was the first one against Schalke. And, I mean, everyone just seemed so off the pace, particularly that that Schalke team that day. Are we just actually in, Ben, for some potentially low-quality football when, when, when this returns, at least for the first few weeks? I mean, anyone that's watched pre-season games will know that generally they aren't the best, most riveting football you've ever seen. Yeah, I think for the first two or three weeks, I think we may struggle to see and teams anywhere near the level they need to be. I think if you're a Werder Bremen fan, you've probably still been waiting for the, them to reach the level they need to be since, you know, August last year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it may, it may take a couple of weeks, as I say, for them to get back up to speed. And a lot of them have only been training for you know, sort of two and a half weeks or so. Um, it's also going to be a bit of a steep learning curve trying to play in a stadium with no fans in it. It's going to be a completely different atmosphere. And I think that's why you're, you're starting to see Premier League teams now holding into squad friendlies at, at, at the bigger stadiums. So like the Emirates, Norwich have done it too. Um, Southampton has, have also done one from, from memory. They're trying to get the players used to playing in these strange atmospheres and also therefore... Um, trying to get themselves ready to hosting games that you know only have a certain limited amount of people in there, but I do think that there will be teams that are, are very well equipped to come out of the blocks firing. You know, someone that play in sort of the same blueprint as Dortmund are Brentford in that they break quickly, they have a lot of pace up front, and they have a lot of power behind them uh, behind the striker. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them causing us lots of issues. I'm not saying that obviously we're the Schalke in this tie because. God forbid that happened to us. But um, I think that we may have a few issues, especially on the break. Um, and you'll see a lot of counter-attacking goals. And, and the most interesting point, as Jack said uh, in the previous segment, was that the the home home team advantage has almost certainly been eradicated. And actually, in the Bundesliga, you're seeing sort of like a 50-50 split um, of, of teams winning you know, away from home. So... It is going to be an interesting time and one that I don't think a lot of us are going to predict. There are going to be results out there that are huge, that are, you know, that are swung on either just having that little touch more fitness or just having that one or two players that are technically above the rest. Okay, right. Well, we'll take a little bit of a break there. And then afterwards, we have loads of your questions. So we're going to get straight into those. If you enjoy Fulhamish and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a positive rating and review. It really helps us to reach new Fulham fans across the world. If you don't use Apple but want to give us a review, head to the Fulhamish Facebook page and give us a rating there instead. Thank you. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast Part 2. My name's Sammy James and I'm here with Farrell Monk. Wagwan. Jack Collins. Yes, what's happening? And Ben Jarman. Hola, amigos. I mean, we're having to get used to behind closed doors podcasting effectively, you know, being 
distant from each other in in different locations so it, it you know you could say that it's a big learning curve for, for footballers but would someone please think of the podcasters as well that are having to get used to new situations well i'm, I'm not i've this is the first time i've taken off my new fulhamish mask uh so i can actually people can actually hear my voice Oh yeah, well, good, good, uh, good segue there, Farrell. Because actually, I was going to bring up the masks. Uh, thank you to everyone that ordered uh, a, a Fulhamish mask. Um, we're really proud of of how that's gone. Um, we've sold out of all of them now. Um, they're completely gone. We've got a few people asking in the questions um, if we are going to order any more. Currently, the plan is not sadly to make any more um but it may be something that we consider um in the future and i guess if we get inundated then i guess we'll have to uh consider bringing them back but yeah we're very very happy and we've raised over a thousand pounds uh for a ppe charity in london who are providing um, protective equipment like scrubs and masks to hospices dentists schools hospitals all around um, the greater london area um, they're called Scrub and Face Protection Hub and they do amazing, amazing work. They've done so much good work during this pandemic and um, we're just really proud to have raised uh, a good significant amount of money. And so thank you for all of you who have bought a mask and raised money for what we believe is a really, really important cause. And we hope you like the masks because... I'm not going to lie. They are top quality clobber and I love my masks. And I went to Sainsbury's earlier in my Berbatov mask and yeah, I felt like I could take on the world in it. Yeah, it gives you a certain <laughs> edge, doesn't it? You're yeah, like, I've I got just... a mask on now. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Yeah, yeah exactly. I've got, it's... I've got two masks now. I've got this Berbatov one and, and one from the Manor, and and I do feel like I'm, you know, I'm on the edge of something here. Well, anyone that's seen my Instagram, I, I do now look like a Polish ultra because, or or a Tibetan monk, because I've pretty much shaved off my entire head. So yeah, I do like now being able to walk around Putney looking hard as nails um, in my in my Fulhamish mask. Sammy, I think the people are confusing you for a Tibetan monk not because of the head, but because you keep wearing robes. Robes. <laughs> You're just out there wandering robes around Putney High Street in, yeah. like, in a really like aggressive yellow and red colourings. Yeah, well, you know, it's a new look. Everyone's changed a little bit during this pandemic, and uh, I, I'm I am not immune from that change. There's only either. there's only one monk. There's only room for one monk in Fulham Mission. That's me. Oh, very, very good. Very good. Yes. This is I put, what we, I put this... a photo of me in my mask on my hinge profile. And it's actually getting me loads of likes. So yeah, uh, cheers for that, boys. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Glad to see it's working for you, Ben. Um, a couple of people Cybering are asking, is back for the 2020s. A couple of people are asking when their face masks will arrive. They should arrive very, very soon. Right, let's get into um, actual questions that have come through, not us talking about masks. Starting off with this one, uh, Farrell, you may be best placed to answer this. This is from James Doherty, Paddy Doherty. Um, anyone know anything about season ticket rebate or similar free access to games online uh, for season ticket holders? Now, I imagine that there will be news on this this week, but I know that the Supporters Trust have been kind of in a bit of dialogue with the club about uh, season ticket rebates and access to uh, games either via ffc website or via sky so for farrell what do you know on this the honest answer is that we don't know yet um there is a meeting with the club on wednesday um and i'm sure that there will be uh, uh, more information to come obviously that the, the club have already released information about uh what's happening with match by match tickets and um should have had an automatic refund if you bought it online i believe and if you bought it in 
directly through the ticket office over the phone that you would have to contact to get those sorted but in terms of season tickets um there it's still up for discussion hopefully we'll have some news um on wednesday about it and obviously the sky sports have actually they, they've announced that um season ticket holders will be getting preferential access to uh, live games I, I, am i remembering that correctly or am i totally making that up Here's what they said, Farrell. It said that Sky are going to broadcast 30 of the remaining 108 championship matches. Um, and then they'll show all the playoffs, of course. So that's about a third of the games that Sky Sports are going to show. And you'd imagine, given Fulham's position, Fulham are going to make up a hefty proportion of those games. Maybe not quite as much as Leeds and West Brom, but we're going to make up a significant chunk of those. And you'd imagine something like the Fulham-Brentford game almost certainly will be a Sky Sports pick. It says, supporters should note the following. Access to the games will be determined by the club where the supporter holds a season ticket. Access may be in lieu of a refund or part of a wider package as determined by each individual club. Now that to me seems unbelievably vague, but it seems to suggest if you have a season ticket you will be able to watch these games either via Sky or online for free. That's that's the hope. Yeah, I've seen that other clubs have already said that they're going to work out sort of pro, pro rata refunds already, regardless of whether you know, you'd have access to, to Sky Sports. I've just seen that Sheffield Wednesday are doing that uh, as well. And I don't know. I just think the clubs are obviously discussing what the what the options are. Um, and I can't really sort of say well, what Fulham are going to do. The sensible thing is here to give people either the choice of a rebate on their season ticket or credit for the next season. And let's just hope they don't go down the Sunderland route of where they're not giving a rebate at all unless that's changed in the past few days. And some of it will be access to home games only on um on on either television or, or, or online surely that has to be the only sensible outcome here i think one of one bundesliga club i think it's mainz have said that uh they've given an option where you can ask for the you can ask for a, a refund on the remaining games or if you decide to forego your refund um uh, you get something like um a, some merchandise or like something within the ground like uh, your your actual sort of cardboard cutout in the ground or, or something along those lines but i'm a bit sketchy on the details unfortunately yeah well i mean we'll uh, we'll wait and see but it seems like there will be some sort of access for for season ticket holders to those games um it did say interestingly on this article that it will be 10 pounds a match um if you don't have a season ticket which is quite a high price of entry um but i guess hopefully with fulham if you have a sky sports subscription nearly all our games or certainly a good majority of our games will be on sky um at the very least let's move on with the questions this one from thomas gordon do you think the lack of fans will hurt or help fulham compared to their promotion rivals we do have the best home form but knowing us that may be down to familiarity and not necessarily crowd noise jack i'll go to you on this one yeah i mean the the obvious and not that fun answer is that i'm just not really sure um but uh, I would suggest that part of Fulham's, you know, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think that part of it is is the kind of familiarity with the pitch, with the setup, with the with the goals, with how far things are out. You know, you look at the the amount of goals we've scored where people sort of just dinking it top corner or or from a from from distance and all of those things. And you've got to think that that's something to do with the way that we know. You know how the you know how it all travels, all of this stuff. I think the other thing that to to think about with Fulham is that 
it's going to be a really grim place to go. There is, you know, I don't know how many of you walked past the, the, the end or the Riverside stand in, in recent times, but there is no stand at all now. It is very much just an open river, um, which, which does make for, you know, quite a lot of wind, quite a lot of whip off the river. And I think it will be a weird place to come. You know, a lot of people are saying that home advantage is, is diminished. And we've seen that in the Bundesliga with a lot of away wins. But I think that people coming to Fulham are going to find it very strange because of the way the ball's going to whip around a bit Sunday leaguey in, in some ways if, if that wind does come up off the river. So I think that we will be good at home and I think we will hopefully be able to harness that in our favour, you know, to be able to, to get used to it, to be able to train there, to be able to make that happen for ourselves. Uh, and I, but I don't necessarily think it's to do with the fans. I think it's to do almost with the, the weird and very unique situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brett Punz asks a question that we've kind of addressed, which is about um, are we concerned with how slow typically Fulham are at the beginning of the seasons and how that might come into play? Well, we kind of discussed that, but I thought I'd read out the point anyway, because I think it's definitely something um, to, to think about. Max Bryson asks, uh, along with a few others, um, what is the preferred starting 11 for, for the first game back? So, Ben, I'll, uh, I'll hand to you. The th interesting thing to consider here is... There might be a few more players available than there were against Bristol City, namely uh, Terence Congolo and, and Alfie Mawson come into mind for me. Um, yeah, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that with our best seven on paper for the first game back, um, albeit considering who's um, fit and who isn't. I couldn't predict a, a starting eleven because, frankly, I don't know who's fit and who isn't. Um, well, I assume everyone's fit so, at this stage. Okay, right. So I think we'll probably go, obviously, Rody in goal. Right yeah. back, I'd quite like to see Cyrus Christie because he was in, uh, in good form before the break. Uh, I'd like to see him continue that if he can. Uh, Hector and Reem, uh, centre-half. Uh, yeah. And then Joe Bryan, left-back, uh, obviously. Um, and then, I guess, in midfield... Um, before before the break, we had a little bit of a, a mix and match of of Kev and Steph um, in DM. Um, I'd like to I'd like to see uh, Kev maybe in there just just because I feel feel like in in the slower games um, this might suit him a little bit, and you're going to need someone out there to keep the shape, and I think he does that very well. Um, then TC, and I'd like to see the engine of Steph in there a little bit, uh, and then I'll go for uh, Cavaliero. Uh, and then obviously Mitrovic, and I'd actually like to see AK forty seven out there. Um, I feel like he's a guy that's going to be a difference maker. I feel like if you look at the German league, there are a lot of guys out there in wide positions that are really fast and really physical that are, are in at times making quite a lot of uh, of the difference. You saw earlier on when uh, Union Berlin played against Schalke, you had like Anthony Ujar who out there, who's who's quite um, he's a fast guy with a lot of strength. And he played well on the counter. Uh, you also saw Matondo for for Schalke doing roughly the same thing. So yeah, I feel I feel like um, that that would be a good starting eleven for us. Okay, Jack. Any differences on what Ben said there in terms of starting eleven potentially for Fulham? Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to see how fit Harrison Reed is. Uh, I think that's the big one for me. That if Harrison Reed is fit and fighting, then I think he he comes into the side for me. I think he's been our best six all season and you know hampered by those injuries but if he's back to full hit fitness which he appears to be given some of the the talk that's been put out and some of the interviews he's done he seems to be close i think i'd probably go with harrison reed behind kearney and bobby reed 
um, in the middle, which is quite an attacking lineup. But I think these games are going to be quite high scoring, quite free flowing. And, and I think that given the way that that is panning out, I would like to see both of them in there because I think that that, that will do wonders for us. Aside from that, I would uh, stick with Ben's lineup. And I guess the other interesting thing is we don't know what the deal is with these um, two players in the Fulham FC squad that have tested positive for coronavirus. We don't know at this stage who has tested positive. And whilst apparently they have no symptoms, if I'm if, if what I've read is to be believed, um, I guess it's it's hard to know exactly who will be fit and who won't. But yeah, Jack, I think I'd agree with you. I'd love to see Harrison Reed um, get a bit of a run out and. There could potentially be a space for Terence Congola if he is fit again. We, I'd we be saw... shocked. I'd be shocked if he's fighting fit. Like mm. that was a big injury. Alfie Mawson, I can can see it, but if Congolo's back, I would be shocked. Be a massive surprise. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very, very heavily surprised. And and I'd also be wary. I know it's a loan deal, and I know there's all these things. But if we are looking to buy, if we are looking to buy him, and we are looking to to make that a permanent deal, I would not risk him right now, given that I would quite like the experience of Tim Ream back in there. I think you're going to need some experienced heads in there. And I think that throwing, uh, throwing new players who are just coming back from injury into, into a side ahead of someone like Ream would potentially be a mistake. Potentially. Uh, final question here from El Dorado. Should Mitro shave his head again? Because I've never seen him look less intimidating. Um, I must admit it, he does look like a, a, a softer character uh, since he's he's grown his hair out. Ben, do you think that is sage advice for Mitro? He needs to go for the Sammy James and get the one all over. Absolutely go for the Sammy James, get the one all over, get the scoring touch back. We don't want no fluffy hair strikers out here. You know, what brutes have fluffy hair? None of them. Precisely. Precisely. The, gr- the, gr- the Gruffalo had quite <laughs> fluffy hair. Um yeah, no, I also like, I, just on this point, like, why is it players who are bald slash have buzz cuts who have all decided that they can't get haircuts? Like, you are the only people that can cut your own hair. Like, you are, there is only one haircut that you can do, like, effectively in lockdown, and it is the cut that Mitro has every other day of the year. Why has he decided <laughs> that this is the time to grow it out? It doesn't make sense. It's nuts. Like, Joe Bryan not cutting his hair, completely get it. Like, fine. Like, he's not, he's got, you know, quite a, quite a trendy cut going on like whereas Mitrovic is just like get a razor out lad and just chop it off <laughs> I mean <laughs> maybe it's more complicated than it looks yeah maybe it's not right. that easy Jack isn't it not that easy Sam you tell me I didn't do mine myself I got my I got my lovely wife to to do it for me and she spent an hour and a half on her own birthday slaving over my head which was a, a lovely uh, birthday gift for her <laughs> <laughs> an hour and a half to do that yeah, I mean, I think it was getting her, uh, getting our heads around the equipment. To be fair, um, after no pun intended. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, that's uh, that's all for for today. So the way that Fulhamish is working, we're going to have another podcast um, at the beginning of next week, and obviously we're going to be looking ahead to that Brentford game, assuming it all goes ahead. And then after that, we'll be doing uh, two podcasts a week, and we'll try uh, and keep as many podcasts going um, with with the current situation as it is reacting into matches as they happen also we're going to be trying to look to do hot mic which is a new app where we commentate um not really commentate but we comment on matches as they happen live and you can listen to us as we watch the games together behind closed doors on the telly um 
We'll give you all the details, but if you want to get involved, all you need to do uh, is download the Hot Mic app uh, and use the code Fulhamish. I'm going to do then... a shameless plug here and say that if you want to find out <laughs> how it how it how it works and you want to try it out, um, I'm going to be doing one for Betis versus Sevilla in the first game back for La Liga on Thursday night. Um, oh, there we so go. All the details are on on Twitter. If you hit me up at, at Jack J Collins. Fair enough. All right. Well, um, we do need to name this podcast. Um, Jack, were there any three-word reviews that you liked or generally would you like to, to name this podcast with with something different? I think I'm just going to go something quite simple then. Uh, reminiscing time's over. Reminiscing time's over indeed. Ah. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, reminiscing uh, in the past few months and I guess with the 10 years of the Europa anniversary, it's uh, it's been very nice to do that. But I'm not going to lie, I've very much enjoyed actually discussing some football that may be happening in the near future rather than constantly looking over our shoulders 10 years ago. So, yep, nice to be back and uh, we will be back uh, again in a week. So uh, thank you to my guest today. Thank you to Farrell Monk. Sayonara, superheroes. Thank you, Ben Jarman. Thank you. And thank you, Jack Collins. You are. We've been the Fulhamish Podcast. We'll see you in a week. Doodles. Doodles.